0: Today we want to welcome every person to church, especially our viewers across North America. The topic today is the church. Is it a visible organization or is it an invisible organization known only to God? What authority, what real authority does the church have? Can the church excommunicate people and shut the doors of paradise to people who have fallen out of favor? with the church? When should the church be obeyed, and when should the church be disobeyed? Should should church leaders and pastors and priests always be obeyed? And why does the church exist? What is the purpose of the church? And where did this idea of the clergy and the laity come from? Is it a biblical concept? Also, we are going to answer this question What is the highest authority on earth? It is believed by some that a certain committee constitutes the highest authority on earth. What is the highest authority on earth? And most importantly, what part do I have to play in the church of the living God? We're going to answer these questions and many more today in the topic God's church. What is the church? Firstly, is the church visible or is the church invisible? Would you please take your Bibles and turn to the, uh, the words of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22 to 24. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22 and onwards please. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22 and onwards that describes the nature of the church. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 and onwards, the Bible says, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. These verses, my beloved friends, are describing the church. And the Bible tells us that the, the church members of the true church have their names written in heaven. And the Bible tells us that the church is not only composed of people upon this earth, it is composed of the angels of God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the angels, and the saints of the living God who live upon this earth make up the church. Therefore, the church, the true church, is invisible. But the true church is also, the Bible says, visible. It is an invisible church, known only to God, bigger than any denomination, composed of the prophets, the apostles, men like Martin Luther and John Wesley, all who trust in Christ wherever they may be found. And to the extent that we cannot tell who comprises the true church, it is true to say that the church is invisible. A famous Adventist Christian whom we we believe had the gift of prophecy made the statement that the majority of God's true children are found in all of the churches, in the Roman Catholic Church and in all the Protestant churches. And therefore, the true church to that extent is known only to God. We do not really know who comprises the true church. But it is a church, my friend, that is bigger than any one denomination. The story is told of the great first day in heaven, and St. Peter is there, traditionally we're told St. Peter is there to welcome the church members. Here is the church of all the ages from every different nation under heaven, and there is a brick fence, and a small group of people are meeting together behind the brick fence, and somebody goes to St Peter and says, "Who are the people behind the brick fence who are having their own church service?" And Peter says, "They are the XYZ. They are the so and so. They believe that they're the only ones who are here." We need to realize that God is bigger than any denomination. And the church of God is composed of people in every church. I believe that Mother Teresa, that famous Roman Catholic sister, is a member of God's church. You see, my friend, you cannot belong to Christ and not be a member of God's church. It is a very big family, known only to God who knows the hearts of men, the Bible says, whose names are written in heaven. Therefore, I say, the church is invisible. And yet the Bible says, the church is also visible. And I will prove it to you. Please come to Matthew 18, verse 17 and 18, please. Matthew chapter 18, and verse 17 and 18. This makes it plain that the Church is visibly manifested in the world. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, and here are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Therefore, the Bible teaches that there is a visible church. The Apostle Paul in Romans talks about the church that is in your house. Therefore, the church, while it is composed of people whom we do not have any idea about, is also a visible church. And the Bible teaches that in the visible church, there are good people and there are bad people. I want you please to uh, come to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to come to Matthew 13, and I want you to read with me verse 24 and onwards, please, where Jesus describes the kingdom of God, and the church is the outward manifestation of the kingdom of God, Matthew 13 and verse 24 and onwards. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn." Now, the explanation of this parable that concerns the kingdom of God and the church is given in verse 37. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man, the field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age the Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Therefore, the Bible teaches that in the kingdom of God, And the church is the manifestation of the kingdom of God. There are good people and there are bad people. Therefore, I say to you, do not expect perfection in the church on this earth. Because the Bible says there are good and there are bad. There are good pastors and there are bad pastors. And there are good church members and there are bad church members. There are good church leaders and there are bad church leaders. And the Bible says that both groups are going to endure and last until the harvest, which is the end of the world. Some people use the condition of the church, this strange mingling of good and bad, as an excuse not to join the church. Uh, Many people say, I couldn't belong to the church because of its spiritual condition. I'm reminded of the man who said, I couldn't join the church because there are too many hypocrites in the church. But the man said to him, Join all the same, there's room for another one. (laughs) Uh, Let me tell you, there are hypocrites in the church. You know this. But there are hypocrites outside the church. It is the will of God that hypocrites will join the church and they will become members of the kingdom of God. So let me tell you on the authority of God's word not to look to the leaders of the church and not to look to church members in the church because they will surely fail you and disappoint you. But if you look to Jesus, Jesus never fails. Therefore I say to you, do not be discouraged because of the condition of the visible church, because if you look to the members of the visible church and expect everything from them you are not doing the will of God, but the Bible says look to Christ and read your Bible and grow in grace and you will fulfill the will of God for your life. We come to the question, what authority does the church have? The church does have authority. Matthew. 18 and verses 15 and onwards uh, give us a description in the words of Jesus of the authority of the church. Please turn with me to Matthew chapter 18 and I want you to notice verses 15 and onwards Jesus says if your brother sins against you go and show him his fault just between the two of you if he listens to you you've won your brother over but if he will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven listen very carefully the bible says that the church does have authority what is the authority of the church when the church the visible church acts in harmony with god's word god ratifies that decision the legitimate authority of the church ought not to be despised but the church members ought to respect and obey the authority of the church Therefore, I say to you, do not despise the church. and do not despise the church when the church does the will of God. But listen carefully. Too often, the authority of the church has been abused by unscrupulous members of the hierarchy that have played God instead of obeying God. Therefore, we say to church leaders, church leaders ought to obey God and not play God. But the church has authority. How do I know when the church has true authority? Uh, Would you please come to Acts chapter 5 and verse 27 and onwards please, as we talk about the authority of the church. Acts chapter 5 and verse 27, Acts chapter 5. And verse 27, and here it talks about uh, an incident that happened in the early church. Verse 27, having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. Here is the visible church, and the leader of the visible church. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, yet you filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and he determined to make this make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. Therefore, our first authority that we should obey is God. Now, most of us most of us here have heard of the great Roman Catholic organization that is called the Jesuits. There is no A greater organization, religious organization in the world, I think, more powerful than the Jesuits. They've infiltrated every government organization. Even some of the advisors to the presidents of the United States are Jesuit priests. Did you know that? Did not know that? It's true. And the Jesuits are a formidable force in the world. Great scholars, great men of science, great diplomats. They were formed by the great scholar Ignatius of Loyola, a Spaniard. Candidates for the priesthood to be ordained as Jesuit priests have to go through a rigorous rigmarole. Firstly, in the days of Ignatius Loyola, they were buried up to their noses, up to their nostrils. They were buried... And they were buried as though they were dead men because Ignatius Loyola said to his priests, only dead men can follow me. I only want dead men to be my priests because only dead men can take my orders. Only dead men, he said, can serve the order of Jesus. I want to tell you something. God doesn't want dead men to serve him. God wants living men. God wants men and women who still have got minds and who've got brains and who can think for themselves. And the Bible says it's better to obey God than to obey men. I know some people and I pity them in Christ to say whatever a committee says, I will do. It is the voice of God. I say to you, join the Jesuits because you are a dead man. But when the church speaks in accordance with the will of God, which is found by the study of the word of God, you should do what the church says. But make sure that the church is speaking with the voice of God and not with the voice of a politician or the voice of tradition. Martin Luther said, Tradition, no, but scripture and reason. James White, one of the founders of this church, said we should only obey the voice of a committee when it is in harmony with scripture and reason because we are not dead men. We are children of God. What is the highest authority in the world? Some people think it's a church committee. What is the highest authority? They say, I will trust my soul to the the authority of that committee. I say, God have mercy on your soul. It is already lost. I hold in my hands today the highest authority in the world, the Bible. Not a committee. Not a church board. The word of the living God And before the word of God, the church must fall down and say, I will obey. The Bible is not to be judged by the church. The church is to be judged by the Bible. Can the church shut me out of heaven? Only if by my own sin I've shut myself out of heaven. You've all heard of John Huss, the great Roman Catholic scholar, the Bohemian reformer. He was taken to Constance, put on trial, and excommunicated by the church. They said, we consign your soul to hell and the devil, and they burnt him at the stake. And they said, he is shut out because whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. That text is one of the most abused texts in the world. Because God only binds in heaven what the church is bound according to the will of God. I want to tell you, John Huss is going to be in glory when the priests are going to be in hell. What is the highest authority? Not some committee, not some priest, not some pastor, but the Word of God. And God does not want dead men to serve Him, He wants men and women whose minds are filled with hope and faith and charity and who can think for themselves. And I say to you when you come to this church, do not come with a dead and a closed mind. Come with an open mind and think for yourself. Don't expect me to spoon-feed you. Do Do not expect that I will tell you everything you need to know Think for yourself, God has given you a mind, and God has given you the Bible. And the Bible, I tell you, my friend, is our highest authority. Thank you. Why does the church exist? I was reading recently, and it, as the Irish say, it got my patty up. <laughs> you don't know what that is? Well, if you don't know, perhaps it's better if you're not to know. A church committee met for days. They went into retreat, they said. Fancy the church going to retreat. I thought the church was supposed to march forward. But the church, they said, they published it. They went into retreat and they talked for days on what is the mission of the church. You do not need a committee to discuss what is the mission of the church. You only need people who've still got a living mind to read the Bible. Just go and read the Bible. You don't need a committee to tell you what you ought to do, what the church ought to do. People say to me, who gave you authority to go to Russia? God did. God did. How do we know? Because we read it in the Bible. Would you please come in the word of God? I want to read you a text. I think it's Matthew 28. I'm not sure, but when I find it, I'll tell you. Matthew 28. Yes, it is. Matthew 28 and verse... 18 and onwards it tells you why the church exists Jesus said Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me he's the authority friend therefore go and make disciples make disciples make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Listen very carefully to this. Jesus said, go and preach. Jesus said, go and teach. Jesus said, go and baptize. But Jesus said, make disciples. There's a lot of difference between preaching and making disciples. I'm here to preach the word of God, but first and foremost, I want to make you into God's disciples. You know what a disciple is? A self-motivated a Christian, a person who follows the discipline of the word of God. You say I don't like discipline. Well, maybe you need it. You can't be a disciple unless you practice discipline. That we have to discipline ourselves and read the word of God and go to church and do what is right and do the will of God. That's discipline and disciples do the will of God. And the church was raised up to make disciples. That's why we go back to Russia over and over and over again, because we do not believe in that sort of evangelism that runs some meetings for a week and then goes and leaves it. We are here to make disciples. Let me ask you a question. What's the most important Getting married or staying married? Come on, give me some feedback. Dan says staying married, but how do you stay married unless you get married? Mm. married. How do you stay married unless you get married? What's the most important? Getting married or staying married? They're both as important as each other because you won't stay married unless you get married, and if you get married, you better stay married. So they both work together. Now, when you come to Christ and you're saved and washed in the blood of the Lamb, that's getting married, but then you've got to stay married, and that's becoming a disciple. And the Church of the Living God is called to preach the Word of God, get people married, and then it's called to make disciples and to get people to stay married to Christ. Uh, I sometimes think, you know, we do not look after new converts very well at all. Let me tell you why I don't think we do a good job, on the whole, as a church, of looking after new converts. I'm going to open my heart to you. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe it's dangerous, but I'm going to do it. Most people can only stand glowing, upbeat reports, and I've given you plenty of those, but I'm going to give you one from Russia that's not glowing and it's not upbeat. We've baptized thousands. They've baptized thousands in Moscow. In Moscow, we have 13 new churches. You know how many church buildings? Zero. None. Don't have a building. In Novgorod, we baptize thousands. You know how many church buildings? We go one. You know where the people go? Dirty, stinking, filthy, freezing halls. And we wonder why some of them get discouraged and leave the church. The way we look after people on occasions reminds me of the mother who's just had a little baby, and that she brings the baby home, and she puts the baby in the cot, and she says, glad to have you, honey. The milk's in the fridge, and the diapers are in the laundry, and help yourself. <laughs> but we're glad that you're home, and we want you to know that we love you, and we want to give you a big hug, and know that we're so glad that you, you've joined the family of God, and the milk's in the fridge, and the diapers are in the laundry, and help yourself. The church exists to win people to Christ, to give birth to new children. It also exists to bring them up in the fear and the love and the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That's the purpose of the church. Now, let me ask again and answer this question. Uh, Where do we get this idea of clergy and laity? Where did this concept that is believed by most people, the idea of the clergy and the laity come from. You know what I'm talking about? I went along not very long ago to help take an ordination service, and uh, I was helping to ordain a man, and uh, one of the pastors got up and he said, we're glad to welcome the laity. He said, I'm a member of the clergy. I shuddered, tried to keep my mouth shut. I didn't tell him the story, but in Australia, Australians have a tendency to be irreverent and somewhat open and frank, not very good politicians, but in Australia, they say there are three sexes, men, women, and clergymen. So I wouldn't want to be known as a clergyman, quite frankly, because many of them seem to be a bit effeminate in my book. I'm sorry about that. Now, this business of the clergy and the laity. Now, Steve, I'm not talking about you, but you know it's true. Yeah, you know it's true. (laughs) Not, Not you or me, but you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. I wouldn't want to be known as a clergyman. Even some ministers put it on the backs of their cars. Do they want people to throw rocks at them as they're driving down the freeway? I'm a clergyman. You know where it comes from? I'm telling you the truth. I'm sorry if you don't like this sermon. But I'm telling it to you as as it is. Back in the Middle Ages, the Roman Catholic Church worked out this idea of the clergy and the laity. Now the laity were the dumb ones. They sat in the pews, uh, they gave the money, and they did what they were told. If they had no brains at all, it is better. If you had a church filled of dumb people, that was great. They didn't think, they just did what they were told. And the clergy, the priest, or the minister, man, he had the power. He said the prayers. If you didn't behave yourself, he'd excommunicate you. He told you to give, and you gave. He did all the thinking, and you did all the following. Isn't that a dumb idea? It's a dumb idea for dumb people. But it's not taught in the Bible. The Bible teaches that the church is made up of the laos. Let me... Just quote a Greek word so you'll know that I once went to seminary. There's a Greek word, it is laos. Now Steve here will tell you what it means. What does it mean, Steve? It means people. It means the people of God. Did you know the ministry and the people in the pews are a part of the laos? We're all part of the people of God. I'm here to tell you today I'm not a member of the third sex. I'm here to tell you today I'm not a member of the clergy, I'm a member of the kingdom of God, I'm a minister of God called by God, but I'm a member of the laity. I'm a part of the laos, and that is what the Bible teaches. Now in the church God has got a place for every person, including you and including me. I'm going to talk about spiritual gifts. I want you to come to 1 Corinthians 12 verse 12 to 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12 and onwards, dear hearts and gentle people. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12 and onwards. Got that text? Now, before I go any further, I want to say this to you. There's a book that's uh, been published that every person here ought to read. Now i'm talking to my beloved american friends but i say this to the canadians who are watching too and the people down in the caribbean the book is called the closing of the american mind it's big seller the closing of the american mind you ought to get it and read it you know what it says it says that most of us have just about given up thinking at all and we're suckers for deception suckers for deception very few people today even read a book. Most people don't read a book in a year. Some people can't even read Time magazine because the words are too big. This is not a funny thing. This is an awful tragedy because people then become very easily manipulated. That's why they have sound bites in the recent elections. People vote not on issues today. People don't vote because something is right or wrong. People vote because they say, hey, he's got a nice smile. I like the way he does his hair and I like the car he drives, or I like the way he pats the baby on the head. It's pretty sad, isn't it? People like this are are going to be the people who get the mark of the beast because they don't think for themselves. I want to say this to you. If you don't think for yourself and if you don't work out your own theology, you've got a big problem. If you belong to a group of people, I don't care who you are, and you say well whatever that organization says I'm going to do it don't wait to get the mark of the beast you got it now you say I can have the mark of the beast now yes in a sense absolutely if you follow the opinions of man and if you say if a committee says this hey amen it's got to be God's voice hey join the Jesuits they want dead men you're a dead man you need to think for yourself You need to form your own opinions, and you ought to hold them with a tenacity. You ought to be open to reason, but people need to think for themselves, the only people, my friend, who are going to get home to glory are going to be people who've thought out the issues for themselves. That's why I say it to you. I know it's hard to get you to do it. I work myself almost crazy saying to you, read your Bibles. I say to my, my staff members, I say to them on occasions by name, have you read your Bible? I I don't have time. Well, don't even bother thinking about going to heaven. I'm serious. You need to read the Bible. You need to know what the Bible teaches. And don't be a tapeworm, a person who puts on a tape. This is what happens. People listen to audio tapes, watch video tapes, and they haven't got a clue themselves that they believe the first thing they hear. That's called the closing of the American mind. I'm here today to open up the American and the Australian mind. And I want you to think for yourselves. Now this entails a little bit of work. It entails a little bit of work. But I want to tell you, no lazy people are going to heaven because that's one of the seven deadly sins. And if it wasn't until this morning, it is now. Now, let me read you a text. Mm-hmm. I don't like laziness. Do you? No, I don't. Now I'm on a roll. I don't like the welfare state. I was listening to people getting interviewed. Why did you vote for so-and-so? Oh, he promised me more. Oh, isn't it sad? Isn't it sad? He promised me more. More what? Oh, more benefits. Isn't it sad? No dignity. No pride no strength hey you might as well join the jesuits they stopped thinking years ago i want you to think for yourselves verse 12 and onwards the body is a unit though it is made up of many parts though all its parts are many they form one body so it is with christ for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body whether jews or greeks slave or free And we were all given one spirit to drink. Now friend, you know what the church is? It's the body of Jesus. Think of that. Don't knock the church of God. That's why I say, and this is the visible manifestation of the church, that is why on occasions you'll see that I get, I know I'm a little impatient, But I get a little impatient when I see people who couldn't care that they're in the church of God. They may be in a movie theater. They don't care at all. No reverence for God. This is the body of Christ. Don't kick the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't insult the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the body of of Christ. And the Bible says we're all members. Some of us may be little fingers, little toes. Some of us may be ears. Some of us maybe knows us. We won't keep going. But I want to tell you something. We are a part of the kingdom of God and we're the body of Christ. And every part is dependent on the other part. Did you hear this? So I'm going to hit something now and I'm going to say this plain. So far I haven't been talking very plainly but I'm coming to the plain part. (laughs) Okay, here it comes. I have people, not too often now, because they sort of know me, but I've had people in lots of churches, they come to me and they say, Pastor Carter, will you do this? Will you do that? I'm only working about 20 hours a day, and they say, will you do this? Will you you visit so-and-so? I say to you, will you? No, no, that's not my job. What's your job? I don't know what it is. Have you got a spiritual gift? What's that? Do you read the Bible? Well, sort of. Hey. Hey, where are we at? Let's get real, hey? Let's get real. Let's cut it out. Come on. Now, verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given, for what reason? For the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues, or languages, languages. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Now listen to me, I'm going to tell you something. If you're a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. If you say to me today, I don't have any part to play in the church of God, and I have no spiritual gift, that may be so, and it's so because you're not a Christian. That should really concern you today. That should say to you, I'm lost, I'm not going to go to heaven, I have no part to play in the church of God, I don't have a spiritual gift. The Bible says when you become a Christian, God gives you a spiritual gift. And the spiritual gift is given to you for the common good of the church. This church is not a one-man band. This church is made up of people who play the cello and the double bass and the violin and we have different parts to bring forth the music of heaven. That's what the church is about. My job is not to do everything for you. You are to do what God has told you to do. God has given you a gift. You say, I don't have anything. Well, then you're not a Christian. But maybe you just don't know because you haven't used this up here for a while. And now you're going to start to use it. Now it's going to be painful for a while, but you'll get over it. The Bible talks about the gift of helps. Hey, anybody can help. I want to help you. I want to help you. I want to be there to help you. And if you are not using your gift, you're going to just wither away and die. A year or so ago, I hurt my arm doing some gymnastics, which I shouldn't have been doing. I should have had more sense. But I'm like you. (laughs) So I hurt my arm, and it hurt bad. But I said, I've got a Nordic track, I'm going to keep doing this even if my arm falls off and i went to the doctor he said enough is enough but he did say this to me you got to use it for you got to keep using it even if it hurts because if you don't use it ah if you don't use it you're going to lose it now some of you are in danger of losing it because you don't use it and because spiritually you're lazy and you come to church and you want everything to be done for you some of you don't even read the bible You don't even look up the text. What do you want me to do? Come up, open up your mouth, and pour it in? Or pour it down your ear? Now be careful. No, I I wasn't talking about you being careful. It's all right, Steve. I know it's a terrible place to sit. It's all right. Just listen to what I'm saying today. Steve can take it. Now now verse 27, it gives us the principal gifts in the church. Now this will shock some of my friends. Some of those who were my friends. Now verse 27 and onwards. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others those with the gifts of administration and those speaking in different kinds of tongues now these are the principal gifts in the church now i'm going to talk about these and this is going to revise your thinking you know let me i i like to laugh when i can i've had people come to me and they say wouldn't you like a position of leadership in the church hey what do you mean? Sitting behind a desk, shuffling papers? You call that leadership? What I like a position of leadership in the church? I've got it. I've got it. Now, I had a man come to me some time ago and he was very sad because he'd lost a certain job. And he said, I've lost my position of leadership. I said, I can give you another one. God can give you one right now. What, what? He said, what do you mean? I said, go and run an evangelistic campaign and win souls. That's leadership. Oh, he said, I didn't mean that sort. <laughs> Let me go back to sleep, he said. Now, the Bible says number one is apostles. Apostles. It comes from the Greek word apostello. Mark that up. Remember some Greek, apostello, which means sent forth. The apostles were sent forth by God to raise up the church and to build the kingdom of God. There were only 12. Therefore, in a strict, literal sense, there are no apostles today. Or else the Bible would still be written today. We'd be writing more books. But in a secondary sense, there are apostles when God raises up a man or a woman. Mm -hmm. And don't worry if the church doesn't recognize you. It didn't recognize Jesus either. Remember that? So don't worry about that. I see some women, they say, I'm called to preach, but the church won't recognize me. Boo-hoo. If God has called you to preach, don't worry about the church, go ahead and preach. And dry up your tears and stop belly aching. Is this plain? Want a little clearer? The Bible says apostles. That is number one in the church. An apostle is the leader. Maybe not recognized by the committee, but God's leader. He is the person sent forth like Martin Luther, John Wesley, James White, HMS Richard Sr., George Vanderman, the real leaders, the biblical leaders. Then the Bible says, says prophets. Now I could talk to you about this, and you should ask Graham Bradford about this, but there's not one member of the church in a hundred who understands this. Not one in a hundred. You know why? They think a prophet is a person like Daniel or Isaiah. Or Paul and they are true but it's not talking about that here there are canonical prophets and there are non canonical prophets you know what a canonical prophet is a person who wrote the Bible we don't have any of those Alan White had the gift of prophecy but she was not a canonical prophet her writings are not an addition to the Word of God a lot of people don't understand that that's why they misuse her but a prophet is a person who is filled with the Spirit of God and who delivers the Word of God. That's a prophet. And there are prophets today. Now let me prove it to you. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 and 3. Come on, go faster. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 and 3. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. So many people ought to have this gift. You ought to have it. Many people ought to have it, desire it. Verse 3 But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. A prophet is a person raised up by God who speaks the word of God. The spirit of Jesus comes upon him and he exhorts the church and he comforts the church. He doesn't have dreams and visions and sees into the future. None of that stuff. But he is still a prophet of God. That's number two in the church. I'm here to tell you today that God still has in the world and in the church his prophets. Unrecognized, unknown by the church per se, but known by God. The Bible says teachers, people who teach the word of God, workers of miracles, gifts of healing, helpers, Number seven, administrators. Not all administrators are leaders. Not all leaders are administrators. But we need administrators, especially me, because I'm a bit disorganized. And the reason that God gave us administrators was not so that they could lead so much as they could organize the leaders. Oh, you say, this is a new doctrine. No, it's not. It's been written there for 2,000 years. You and I just haven't read it. The purpose of these gifts, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13 says that God put these gifts in the church so that the church could be built up for the work of the ministry of church members. You are called to demonstrate that God has given you a spiritual gift and if you're not using that spiritual gift you better start to use it or else you're going to lose it my friend you're a part remember what I told you about the orchestra Bob plays somebody plays the trumpets the cymbals and even the drums and all together it makes great music you need every person to build the kingdom of God this is god's orchestra and if you just come to church and you come to listen and you're not doing anything you're not being faithful to god and you're not really a christian until you start to show god that you are an active part of the kingdom of god that's not my idea it's what the bible teaches how can i find god's true church there are so many voices god's true church talks about jesus a cult Talks about itself. Oh, look what we've done. Look at our programs. God's church doesn't talk about itself. It talks about Christ. A true church. The true church has authority. The authority of the Bible. Alan White said the words of the Bible and the Bible alone should be heard from our pulpits." Then why do we quote everybody except the Bible? Why do we go to every source, the church fathers, tradition, instead of the Bible? Because We don't follow truth. The true church preaches the Bible. The true church keeps the commandments of God, upholds the law of God. The true church has fidelity to truth. Do I have reason to fear that the church will fail and go into oblivion? Jesus said, I say to you that you're Peter. On this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We're not referring to the institutionalized church. The gates of hell may prevail against it. It may fall apart, may go bankrupt. It is talking about the people of God. And God's people who trust in Christ alone for salvation cannot fail. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. God's church, that is the people of God called faithful and true, will overcome all obstacles, even the gates of hell and triumph in the kingdom of glory. Therefore, I want to be part of the true church of the living God. And I want to exercise my spiritual gift and build up the kingdom of God. So help me, amen and amen.